friends and fellow Buffy lovers, and welcome to our podcast, where we discuss each episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer in detail, focusing on digging deep into the themes, metaphors, and foreshadowing. I'm Leah. I'm Sarah. I'm Tabby. And this is Becoming Buffy. And welcome back to our podcast, Becoming Buffy. We are so excited to be done with season one. Oh, this season just gets me so pumped. Yep. Um, we did want to say a huge, huge thank you to everyone who has just been supporting us through season one and is now going to listen to season two, hopefully. We hope that you guys stayed safe over the holidays with COVID and everything and that you had just a good Christmas, a good um, new year and that you're ready and pumped and refreshed for a whole new season of Buffy. We also want to say a huge thank you to everyone who participated in our first giveaway. Um, I just am so blown away by everyone who's just been so kind and like reposting and commenting and liking. And it's just been so humbling. So thank you for listening. We really appreciate you guys. Also, big shout out to Chelsea Sluter for winning our giveaway. We're going to do some more in the future. And we're really excited about our giveaways in the future. So stay tuned. Yeah. And this is our plugging of our Instagram account. If you guys want to follow there, we have some really good content and we often have giveaways. And there's some really cool people that know a lot about Buffy that have some really good comments. And I think you guys might enjoy it. So we are at Becoming Buffy Podcast on Instagram. You can also email us if if you have questions or comments or anything you want to add at becomingbuffypodcast at gmail.com. We love, love, love talking with other people who love Buffy as well. It's seriously been one of our favorite parts of this podcast, I think, is getting to know the people in this community, in this fandom, and just kind of sharing our love of Buffy. So please definitely reach out to us if there's anything that you um, want to add or anything you love, and you might just get featured on our podcast. So guys, season two. I'm ready. It starts out with off, a bang. Yes, mm -hmm. insane. Honestly, like this is one of my favorite like episodes of the season. It just is very raw and mm. it's very real, yeah. and it kind of shows Buffy in this kind of like ugly way. And I love that. I love that they show that she's not perfect. That she kind of sometimes handles situations. She's not going perfectly. through literal trauma. Yeah. yeah, but I also like that it grows some characters, and we'll talk about that more. But I just I love this episode. I think that it's highly underrated. Mm -hmm. And it's just every time I watch it, I'm just always like surprised by how good it is because mm -hmm. I literally forget. Mm -hmm. It's just a very tight episode. Like after season one, which is kind of up and down in some episodes, this one was just stellar all the way through. It's written and directed by Joss Whedon. So, of course, but yeah, no surprise. There. Right. <laughs> You can tell. You can feel it. Yeah, you can feel it's Joss. There's just something special about it. Yep. There's always a vibe. You're like, wow, this episode's, you know, it's a little bit more painful than the other ones. And you're like, oh, <laughs> it's because Joss, Joss loves his pain. Yeah. Well, the dialogue is just sharper. It's just slightly funnier. Everybody's just on. And it, it always does a yeah. good job of bringing out something that you weren't aware of in the characters. He does a good job of knowing um, exactly where he wants his characters to go and then directing that out of his actors. So this episode is called When She Was Bad and it is the first episode of season two. It aired on September 15th, 1997 and it was written and directed, as I said before, by Joss Whedon. And I just wanted to say real fast, I remember distinctly the first time I watched this episode and I don't really remember my opinions on watching much of Buffy 
for the first time because it was Mm -hmm. a long time ago. But I do know I hated this episode. I did too. Yeah. I was like, no, this isn't Buffy. What are you doing? Like, she's horrible. And I wanted – Especially when she's dancing with Xander. I was like, girl. Yeah. That that scene – and we'll talk about it more, but that scene specifically, like, when we were rewatching it, I was, like, screaming. I was like, I hate this. I hate this. I hate this. Because I was like – every single time I watch that scene, I'm like, oh, this is the most painful thing to watch. But it's just so good. Yeah. It and is I think so good. When I was younger, I wanted all my heroes to be completely blameless and yeah, to be heroic all the time and perfect. And I was like, ugh, I can't root for someone that's like awful sometimes. Like it's really hard to watch. And I yeah. think kudos to Joss Whedon for starting off his second season by making his heroine unlikable. Like what mm-hmm. in the world? Like you genuinely are starting to be like, Whoa, Buffy, what is going on by the end of the episode? So I just think that was a brave move. That was a ballsy move. It was really well done. Yeah. But it's amazing because like as unlikable as Buffy is in this episode, instead of just being like, wow, I hate her, you kind of go in this moment of being like, what is going on? And like, because you've already grown such an attachment to these characters and who they are that you you feel like oh, no, I don't want her to be like this. Like, I want her to be better. Mm-hmm. Whereas in other shows, like, when characters would react like this, I would just kind of be like, oh, that sucks. That's annoying. Why are they being annoying? And you just kind of move on. But, like, when Buffy's doing it, you're like, no, Buffy, like, I you want feel, you to do better. You feel like in a protection over certain characters as well. Like, when Willow's sitting there, oh, my gosh. And she's just, like, staring at both of them dancing. And my heart hurt. I was mm-hmm. like, don't you dare hurt Willow. Yeah. It's just, it's not what you expect for season two. It's just really out there and it it's refreshing. It really is. So the first thing I noticed is the title When She Was Bad is taken from Henry Wadsworth Longfellow's poem, When She Was Good, She Was Very, Very Good, But When She Was Bad, She Was Horrid, which I thought was hmm. funny. And what caught my attention is we no longer have that dramatic voiceover in every generation. Oh my gosh, I thank know. goodness. It's Giles. Uh-huh. Makes so much more sense. Why would they not do that in the first place? Yeah. Like, like it, who is this dude? <laughs> not to mention, like, why would you prefer to listen to in every generation? And instead of, like, listening to Giles, like, peaceful, like, oh, and she's the vampire slayer. It's like, yeah, which would you With prefer? With his little accent. <laughs> yeah. Too. Like, what on earth? Giles for the win. I also wanted to say as well, David Boreanaz is in the credits deserved he needed finally yep yeah we want to see more of him show Mm -hmm. us more angel Mm -hmm. and he was in a ton in this episode yeah he was it was like he's credited so now he's in more of it right we're we're here for every second of it whereas the first season he kind of pops in and out he's usually not there for an entire episode unless it was an angel episode i guess so we open up in a graveyard and we hear xander and willow talking it's really cute They're just walking along. And your first thought is, why the heck are you walking alone at night Mm -hmm. in Sunnydale? Like, don't you know better? (laughs) And chilling, too. They're just playing, like, a movie game. Well, I think, like, my first thought was, like, where's Buffy? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because it's, like, it's very rare that you see them two by themselves at night without Buffy. That's true. So, like, for me, it wasn't weird that they were, like, in a graveyard because I'm, like, they're always there. But I was, like, why are they in a graveyard without Buffy? That's the weird part. And with their like guards down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's the thing. You can tell by their body language that they're just chilling. And so it seemed really odd. Mm-hmm. But they're playing a movie quiz game. And then they talk about how they haven't seen any vampires all summer. And then Buffy's been in LA mm-hmm. with her dad. And then you have that super cringy dialogue where 
he's talking about his a man's got certain desires and stuff to Willow. She's like, ew, I don't want to know. Yeah, I I will say like this scene is painful because you're like, oh, you know, I want Willow to be happy, but it's also like it's sweet to like remember that they're friends. Yeah, because it's like I feel like in the first season we have so like Buffy has so much going on that you kind of forget that like Willow and Xander have their own lives. Yeah, (laughs) and so they grew up together exactly, and so like it's really nice to have moments where you see Willow and Xander just like hanging out and enjoying each other's company because like they are best friends so it's like it's nice that we actually see that instead of just hearing about it all the time true yeah and i think the show does a good job of inserting these little moments in there that make their relationship so believable you know yeah i also think it's kind of strange that xander still hung up on buffy after she shot him down the last episode you know but it's buffy so i guess we can't blame him too much i'm not really like surprised that he is still hung up on her. Like, that's pretty typical. Like, you know, if you really like someone, sometimes, like, you just that's really true. like him. But he's very vocal about it. Yeah, yeah, that's the weird part, is that he's so, like, adamant about it. But it's also, like, you're when you're with your best friend, your guard is down. Like, you're not really going to have a filter as much, yeah, you know? that's true. But she's already shot him down. Like, dude, <laughs> read the signs. Read the room. But it's also, like, read your best friend. Yeah. Like, Maybe pay attention to her a little bit more, but I'm just like um, like almost kissing her. I'm like, come on, Xander, dude. Uh, and you guys no, notice no. that Willow's totally moving in and he starts to move it and then he stops himself and it's almost like he's yeah, hesitating. Before, but it's also like before the vampire. Came. Yes. So like mm-hmm. sometimes like the first time I watched this, I was like, oh my goodness, they're almost going to kiss. But the vampire was the one who yeah, like, you know, I noticed but that. But if you notice yeah. like, Xander's mm-hmm. not yeah. really like he's leaning in a little bit for sure. Like he's giving her some cues that he wants it, but it's he also hesitates. like you kind of yeah. Well, you see him kind of start to pull back like right before the vampire comes because he's kind of like not sure if he wants it. But it's also just weird and gross that like he was gonna go in for a kiss after mentioning that he was still into yeah. Buffy. Yeah, yeah. That's just weird. And poor Willow is just so. She wants you know, anything at this yeah, point. Yeah, she's so into him that she's yeah. just like not even thinking about it. But it just like breaks my heart because it's like, dude, be better than that. Mm. Like be smarter than that. Yeah, and he knows Willow's into him and he it feels like he's kind of taking advantage of it. Um, yeah, so then you have the vampire shows up. I love that the vampire is literally like in between them. Yeah. And Xander, I'm going to give him credit for punching that vampire. Yeah. I did see that. I was like, when did he learn that? Yeah, right? <laughs> and then um, he's fighting the vampire. It looks like the vampire is winning. And then I love that you see this beautifully manicured hand resting oh, on the vampire's shoulder <laughs> as if a reminder of, it's yeah. Buffy. Like she's still, yeah. you know, she's still yeah. a fashionista. She still loves getting her yep. nails done. Yep. And well, she has such an iconic entrance where she's just like, miss me? And it's like, oh my goodness. Also, her hair, absolutely Oh my adore goodness. It. I could I could spend an entire podcast just talking about her hair. It's so good. It's so good this season. No, I'm like, not. Yeah. Her short hair. Uh, seriously. It's amazing. This is I love a it. tiny, tiny spoiler, but I think this is my favorite hair out of the entire show. Yeah. Season two. Oh, I how agree. dare you ruin I the agree. show for everyone. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. The hair just gets think, worse. Well, six, yeah. season, six season hair is really cute, too. Yeah. That's I mean, true. her hair is always perfect. 
But this season in particular, just like anytime I think of like quintessential like Buffy and what her hair mm-hmm. and like looks like, it's always it's like adorable. It's season this season. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. I don't know why, but it's just, it looks so good on her and I feel like it fits the character Buffy so well. It's so much more blonde than the first season. She definitely added a ton of highlights. Yeah. It made it really blonde. Well, yeah. the reason why her hair is cut short and more blonde is she was filming Scream 2 in between season one and season two. Yeah. Buffy. She has short hair and Scream mm-hmm. 2. Yeah. Her very, yeah. you know long extended time in yeah right exactly (laughs) her one so good you guys it's an icon you should go see it um it is it's actually a good movie which is ironic because she's the dumb blonde in the movie and gets killed the part was written whoa don't spoil the movie (laughs) what the part was written for her the director asked her to do it knowing she was buffy that's That's funny yeah Yeah, there's little um, moments in that scene if you guys ever watch scream true has sarah michelle geller there's little moments in that scene that they wrote specifically as a callback to her time as buffy no no way no way i should rewatch it it's been so long yeah it's pretty good so yeah, her little hand on his shoulder with her beautiful blue nails and her super cute outfit. Yep. And then she's like, hi guys. Yep. I'd also like to mention we have a new uh, montage for the theme song. Oh. So there's new pictures, angels added, which we mentioned. Um, I don't know. I personally, I always love when theme songs change with the season because then you kind of get some like little like previews mm. of what's going to be in the season. Um, so I don't know. Look yeah, up. it's always fun that they change it up. I like that it's different. Yeah. Um, and then I love how she dusts the vamp. She kicks him into a tree branch. Like it's yeah. super BA. The aim. Yeah, the aim, yeah. right? She definitely wailed on she him. She kind of like drop kicked him and was just like, hey guys, miss me? Yeah. I think she just had so much like built up excitement because she's like, I haven't been able to kill a vampire in like three months. Mm-hmm. Ram him into the tree. Right, exactly. I love that the um, credits end with that Spielberg zoom from The Harvest that zooms up yeah. to Buffy oh, looking so, so intense. I was like, that was the perfect, perfect mm-hmm. shot. And so then you have Xander and Willer talking about how this is the first vampire they've seen since they killed the master and Buffy's face she looks, when they mention yeah. the yeah. master. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can just tell there's something off. Like, obviously, if you've seen the end of the episode, which everyone who's listening to this probably should have uh, at this point, <laughs> um, but you can kind of see, like, that there is a fear and a just some unresolved feelings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and she looks over at the tree where they supposedly, well, they did bury the master. And I love how Xander says they robe, wore robes. <laughs> yeah. So unnecessary. You know Giles told them to do that just because he thought it would be funny. He was like, you yeah. have to wear robes. It's it's essential. And he just comes in a suit. <laughs> he makes them wear it. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, you guys look great. Yeah. He's like, I'm a teacher. I don't have to wear it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the one performing the ritual, so I get exempt. <laughs> He's like, now, Xander, pour the holy water. Let's go. Dig the grave. <laughs> he makes Xander do all the work. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He would. And then Xander, man, I'm really glad you're back. And then her with that kind of sad, ominous me too. Showing that she's kind of got something going on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So then we are in Buffy's room and we have a really unexpected moment yeah. between Hank and Joyce. Yeah, mm-hmm. which is the – this is the first time we see them interact because they didn't really yeah. – they didn't interact in Nightmares. Um, mm-hmm. You just see Joyce mention him and that's pretty much it. And then he comes and talk yeah. to, talks to Buffy at school. But right. we've never seen them in the same room together. Yeah. And fun fact, Christine Sutherland, who plays Joyce, um, cited this episode as one of her favorite 
Buffy episodes of all time. Oh, no way. Yeah, it was really kind of interesting. And we'll get to her other favorite ones at some point. (laughs) But I thought it was really interesting how they're talking about Buffy shopping, how she shopped a lot. And I was thinking about, you know, when someone is going through a lot and when they're depressed or they're anxious or something, they tend to do something compulsively like shopping or sleeping or anything. it sounds like they're trying to distract themselves. It's anything that is quick, anything that you can just constantly – you know, go back to and it's quick and it's fast and it's something to get your mind off of it. And I also think that Joss Whedon probably chose to have it be shopping because it's like such a stereotypical girl thing to be like, right, let's just go shopping. That'll get your mind off of it. Well, it also could be too that she's trying to avoid her father. She doesn't want to have a conversation with him about what happened. Right. Um, she, it sounds like she's just trying to distract herself. And Hank basically just says that he let her shop so much because he was trying to find any way to connect to her and he wasn't sure. Yeah how to do it other than letting her shop. Yeah, which is like really sad, but it's also like you understand where he's coming from because you've kind of seen Joyce like kind of struggle with this idea of like, I really want to connect with Buffy, but like I don't know how. Mm -hmm. I feel so bad for Joyce because you can tell that she's trying. She just can tell there's a disconnect there, Yeah, um, which is relatable. And again, I love that Joss is giving his adult characters – um, dimension. They're not just there as a foil to Buffy to prevent her from doing what she yeah. needs to do. Right. I also like the fact that you see the characters, like the parents, in shots by themselves. Yeah. They also are kind of advancing Joyce's character development right. along and yeah. Hank as well, you know? Then we have this really funny scene in the courtyard where Cordelia is saying how she wanted to go to the beach this year, and her parents made her go to Tuscany, and she had to go look at art and literature. I know. She's like, no one has suffered like I have suffered. Like, oh, my it's so word. dramatic. Well, and then she talks about character development. Yes. <laughs> is it possible to have too much character? <laughs> She's so funny. I adore yeah. her. I love that we get more Cordelia in this episode yes. as well. Which it's about I actually times. was going to talk about. I think, in my opinion, I think that her talking about character development in this scene was Joss's way of kind of like hinting at the fact that this episode was kind of going to give her a little bit of character yeah. development. Could be, yeah. Because we do have that scene where she talks to Buffy later on, which we will talk about because it's very important. But when I heard this, I was like, hmm. That seems a little purposeful. Yeah. I mean, at the most or the least, it's just a really funny, funny moment where she's just like, is it possible to have too much character? (laughs) I know. Such a Cordelia line. So we have that stellar, stellar scene. And then we have – this is probably one of my favorite scenes. Yep. I know. So good. The entirety of the show. This is hilarious. I Honestly, Snyder's my favorite character, 100%. Like, this dude's just Uh. like (laughs) – he's just the most like – out of tune with everything type guy like just has no idea what's going on just hates the world and like his interactions with Giles kill me like they literally just Giles is like barely even listening to he's so tuned out well everything that's going on in this episode okay so Snyder's like kids are like locust crawling around mindlessly bent on feeding and mating and Giles's face he looks so happy to be back so happy Mm -hmm. to be there but as Snyder's talking his face is like wait what yeah (laughs) and then like you just see like Giles just kind of be like I do enjoy these dogs of ours he's like so patronizing (laughs) just like that's nice Snyder 
I'm going to go do my job now. He's like, have you ever thought about not being a yes. principal? <laughs> yes. He's like, it seems like with your abhorrence for children, this might not be the line of work for you. <laughs> he's not wrong. No, he's not. And Snyder's like, their relentless, pointless desire to exist. <laughs> I cannot with him. And then he talks about yeah. how like they always want to be mating with each other. And yep. then when they get around each other. He's like, some dude goes tongue-tied when he sees a pretty girl. And, and then, then Miss Calendar. And, yeah. Yes. And he's like, right oh, behind them. Uh, Hello. And you're like, oh, so cute. And then he's like gazing at each other and they're like looking at each yeah. other. And then he's like, do you think they're thinking about learning? No, they're not. And Jazz is like, are you going to the library? And she's like, yes, let's go. So and cute. he's all like, and then Snyder's over there like, might as well be talking to myself. Yeah. I cannot. Oh, it's just a funny scene. It's so good. And it does so much. Mm-hmm. And that's what I love about Joss Whedon is he has these moments, but they're always advancing the plot. They're not just there because it's funny. Right. Because you have Giles and Jenny. You're seeing that, ooh, something's going on with them. And you're also like Snyder just being hilarious. So yeah, Miss Calendar is flirting hardcore with Giles. She's so good at flirting. And he doesn't know what to do with himself. It kills me. He sits there and he's like, oh. It's also just funny because like in all reality, she probably could just be like, oh, Giles, you look nice today. And he'd be like, wow, this is the hottest woman I've ever seen in my life. (laughs) The fact fact that she like goes the extra mile to like actually even flirt with him. I like it's so funny to me because like Giles probably is just not able to process. It's not necessarily the flirting for me. It's when she stares at him with like flirtation in her eyes is yeah. what kills me. She knows, he's just like, man. Oh. He's like, I don't she know how to look like, away. <laughs> well, the thing is, is that she is very clearly into him and I think yeah. she knows he's into her, but he's more subtle about it. But so she she's is like, like not yeah. holding back at all with all uh-huh. her sexual innuendos and everything. It's just she's hilarious. She's like, well, I know he's going to take forever at it, which I think is cute, yeah. but I might as well yeah. give him a little head it's, start. It's very like powerful. She's just yeah. very like, confident and very sweet and just like yeah. very direct. And I just like, I love it. She knows what she wants, and she's also incredibly confident about yeah. it. She's talking about going to Burning Man and like yeah, naked okay. mud wrestling. I like. I put that down. I was like, first of all, why is the teacher just going to Burning Man, like just on a casual trip, and then just like slipping that into a conversation? Like, oh, she knew what she was yeah. doing. She's she like, knew. Yeah, she's like, oh, that's cool. You read a book. Yeah, she like process it forever afterwards, and he's like, he's like naked. naked? <laughs> <laughs> yep, it's just like such a flex to be like, oh, you read books. Mm. I go to concerts naked. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Perfect match. Exactly. And Jazz is like, uh. I honestly what? think he was more infatuated by the line of her saying that, like, oh, I like books instead of like her being naked. He's like, you <laughs> like books? Are you kidding yeah. me? <laughs> he's like, marry me now. Yeah, seriously. That, he's like, Burning Man's cool, but like, you like books. Priorities, man. For Giles, yeah. I think it's precious how happy Giles is to see Buffy. Like the look on his, his sincere, sincere look of like, how are you? It's such a yeah. dad. So, well, it's also the I, fact that like Xander and Willow come down. They have a bet. Yeah. Well, and then also like, what is what is G Xander? money? Yeah, Xander's like, oh hey, G money, and he's like, ha, don't ever call me that. Buffy, hi. <laughs> like, just kind of like completely disregards Xander and Willow. He's like, I don't care about you guys. He's like, Buffy, my angel. Hello. Like, he's just so kind and so sweet. He's like, all he cares about. It just kills me. Giles is kind of like, hey, no, do you want a minute to kind of adjust and everything? And Buffy's like, no, like, get me in there. I'm ready now. And then you have this like weird training montage where Buffy is like super intense at everything that she's doing. 
And it's distracting for me. I don't know about you guys, but this episode is particularly bad with the cutbacks between Sarah Michelle Gellar and her stunt double. I agree. I I agree. There's a few spots that I'm like, okay, it's very obviously not Sarah Michelle Gellar. So Buffy is obviously dealing with something here. And I think Giles is starting to pick up on it, specifically at the very end. I just love Sarah Michelle Gellar's acting when she's like, I'm ready. I'm ready. Like Buffy's trying to psych herself up. Yep. And you could tell she's terrified. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I really love Sarah Michelle Geller's acting in Buffy. I think she's a phenomenal actress. Specifically in this episode, I will say this particular scene is not my favorite. I don't think it's because of her acting. I think that it's more of just like maybe my personal taste. I think it's a little cheesy. Um, just for her to be like, hmm. you know, like, okay, you know, I'm ready. Um, hmm. but I don't think that's because of Sarah Michelle Geller. I think that was more of just the director's choice was for her to be Yeah, like it that. seemed like maybe it was a little too obvious. Yeah, and that's – I think that's just me personally. I think that everything else she does in this episode is amazing and perfect. Um, <laughs> but I think that this scene, for me, it just is a little too on the nose. But that's yeah, just me. Yeah, that's fair. So then we go to the warehouse and there's a vampire dressed kind of like a pastor and he's preaching, talking about like on the third day, yeah. you know, he will rise. And then he points over to Dan, who's the big one. villain. I – always forget this kid is still alive and then he shows up and i'm like you again really (laughs) like i just you guys but he's got the full-on super villain vibes with the black turtleneck all the way up his hair is like he looks like he's about to go and speak slam poetry like i'm literally just like (laughs) why is this kid still here i can't looks like he's like a third year law student and he's he's like nine (laughs) he's like he's like those kids that um are like super advanced and so they get into college classes and you're like there and it's like a normal basic general like ed class and he's like hey guys and you're like why is there a kid in our class like <laughs> that's the type of vibes I get from she, him. It's like the the student when I was um, a senior who's 15, who's graduating, who was homeschooled her whole life. And we're yeah. like, why is this girl walking with us? Yeah. That's how it feels but like. But you know <laughs> You don't she, even like, go here. Yeah, you know they have so much more knowledge than you, though. You're just kind of like, yeah, yeah I can't really make fun of you because, like, you're 10 times smarter than I am. <laughs> yeah. yeah, everyone secretly hates you simply because they feel They're like successful. You know, you're better yeah. than them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yep. Exactly. No, but he looks, he actually looks like a punk. And his only accomplishment, his only accomplishment is has been dying at this point. Yeah, literally. <laughs> so, <true>. like, <laughs> honestly, like he got his partner in crime killed and like he was like, I, he's done nothing. He's literally, he does nothing for me. Like he just is not terrifying, not scary. And I like every time he comes on the screen, I'm like, it's why most- is everyone listening to him? It's mostly because like the master was the main mastermind, lol. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> but like, and they gave him like no dialogue. He just sat there. Yeah. And then this and one, I- you're like, are we supposed to be yeah. like terrified of him? And I mean, to be fair, we will see if they kind yeah. of develop him more and make him more scary. But in this episode, it always just kills me because like he'll say like one word, like later on, he's like, dick. And they all have I to know. like dig. And you're just kind of like, why is everyone listening to him? Like, <laughs> does he have magic or something? Like, is he right. like, is he like a trained assassin? And isn't, like, isn't his purpose like already done? Yeah, literally. Like, wasn't his purpose <laughs> to help the master? Like, like you're irrelevant at and this point. And he failed in that. Yeah. She knew he was coming. True. And the master didn't even, yep. or the master didn't even kill her. I mean, technically, yep. but you know. Yeah. So it's like, it's one of those things where it's like, we will see if they develop him more and like all that stuff. And if he actually becomes more terrifying. 
But he'll like, become the giant annoying one instead yeah, of the little annoying yeah. one. <laughs> but in this episode, it's he just he kills me. He always kills me. I'm like, I'm not scared of you. I'm so sorry. And not in a good way. Yeah. <laughs> Not like the master kills you. Yeah. Oh, my. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. The dad jokes are coming out. Okay. Anyway, moving on. So Buffy's kind of sitting there away from all her friends looking deep in thought. And Will and Xander show up. And this is the first time we've actually seen the lounge. They're giving us uh, more places to visit in the school. Well, not like Their that. Their budget's we, increasing. Well, I was about to say, now they have the warehouse. So we yeah. have two new Tabby places. Pointed, Tabby pointed out, she was like, wow, the warehouse, another place besides the bronze. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we're like, ooh, we have a warehouse and a lounge. Sunny wow. Jones been expanding like, over yeah. the summer. They're like, we have money now. <laughs> no, they're like, there have been no vampire attacks. We can get stuff done. For People real. aren't dying. So Will and Xander show up, and I love that they're having this conversation with Buffy, and Willow and Xander don't say anything to each other. They both look down at their snacks, make faces, look up at each other, and just toss their snacks to each other without saying a word. Yep, they knew. And I love I love little moments like that, just showing the deep bond that they have and the connection that they both know instantaneously, oh, mm-hmm. I don't like this. He I know they'll like it. like it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then you find out that Willows have been having dreams about Xander. Yeah. Very, very non-obviously covers it up. She's like, oh, you know, not me, not about Xander, uh, just a friend. It's like, And okay, she doesn't wait. remember. And mm-hmm. then Buffy's like, I'm sure she doesn't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Xander's like clueless as always. Like what? Yep. I have no idea what's going on. Xander's only clueless to Willow. If Buffy had said that, he would have never forgotten it. True. That is true. Yeah. Selective hearing. Then Giles shows up and we have that weird moment where he's like, well, you know, I've killed you once. It shouldn't be too hard to do it again. And we're all kind of like, what is going on? And then he strangles Buffy and Xander and Willow look completely like mm-hmm. this happens every day. I Okay. Um, Tony Head does such a great job of acting right here. He looks terrifying and i got like huge like uther pendragon vibes yeah, from, merlin. from merlin i was like oh there he is i forgot that he played <laughs> uther and then you rewatch merlin you're like this is not giles there's yeah. no way uh-huh. <laughs> this can't be him well it's really funny because his hair looked really weird to me in the scene before i remembered that it was a dream sequence and i kept being like what is up with his hair? And then all of a sudden it went to the whole thing where she like pulls off his wig and it's, you know, the master underneath it. Yeah. But fun fact. So they were not able to get, oh, I don't remember his name. The actor who played the master in the first season back for these scenes. So do you guys want to guess who it is that's playing the master? Joss Whedon. No. Good guess Uh though. I feel like he would just be the type that would be like, no one else is going to do it. Fine. I'll do it. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Is it someone we've met so far? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. What? Here, I'll just tell you. Um, it's David Boreanaz. What? No way. Yeah. That would have been Isn't the last crazy? person I would If you look at it and you know it's David, you can tell because of the jawline. But uh-huh. both the, the two scenes that we see the master in, um, it's played by David Boreanaz. Well, that Isn't would that actually make sense because they already had teeth made for him. Exactly. Yeah. And it wouldn't have been hard to just kind of pop on makeup and he's already like familiar with it. And he's not in enough scenes yeah. for it to be a huge problem. That makes sense. So then we're in Buffy's room and we realize that obviously it was a nightmare slash dream of some sort. And then she realizes that Angel's in her room, which Edward Cullen vibes, but not as creepy. Yeah. This whole interaction breaks my heart. It just yeah. like it just kills me. And just the fact that he's like, you know, I missed you, like stuff. You're just like 
But I also understand. I understand why she's so frustrated in this episode. Yeah. Like her boyfriend only ever talks to her when there's something evil going on. She's like, oh, you're not even here to say hi to me. You're here to only tell me that. The master might be coming back to life. So she's like, has to train again. And it, it's just a, a ton for her to have to come back to yeah. when she hasn't even dealt with it yet. Yeah. yeah. I definitely understand her stress, but then it's also like, it sucks that, you know, Angel's the yeah. one who kind of has to feel the brunt of that, you know? But I it's think just, he could tell though. I, yeah. I swear he could tell like right away he's like, something's wrong. Yeah. But he's also gone through a ton of life experiences. So right. he like knows. I thought it was really cool that he asks her, may I come in? Because once he's been invited, he can come in anytime he wants. But the fact that he asks her is just really considerate. And it's also kind of like, this is your room. This is your sanctuary. Yeah. Like, is it okay if I'm here kind I of thing? I think it's also just like always showing her that like, even though I am like a vampire and all this stuff, like, I think he's trying to be as human as possible. Yeah. And just being like, yeah. you know, even though I can, you know, climb my way up into your window, like, I'll ask when I come in. I'm <laughs> even human. though I'm already in the room. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. But it'd be weird if he was just like standing outside the window. I mean, I don't know which is better. <laughs> he's like it'd be sitting weird on the way. roof, just like, hey, can I come in? <laughs> yeah. He's like knocking on the roof. But I wrote down, Buffy is really cutting to him in the, in like what she's saying and how yeah. she's saying. Mm-hmm. But Angel sees right through her. Mm-hmm. You yeah. can tell he knows. And I thought this, this bit of dialogue is really interesting because he says the anointed one is gathering forces and he says, don't underestimate the anointed one because he looks like a child. He has power over the rest of them. They'll do and say whatever he wants. They'll do anything for him. And I think that's really interesting because he's describing the anointed one for sure. But as he's talking to Buffy, he's also describing Buffy. Yeah. And he's telling her, you know, people basically don't underestimate Buffy just because she looks like a child or a girl, but she has power over the rest of her friends. Mm. And I think in this episode, you see Buffy abusing that power in the way that she dances with Xander. She abuses his affection for her. She abuses Willow's affection for Xander um, Angel's affection for her. And I think that it's really interesting that Angel's almost kind of saying to her, hey, you know, rein it in. Yeah. Um, and then uh, the whole, I missed you. Oh, and then he leaves. That and she like hesitates. Kills me. But Tabby also did mention like vampires have good hearing. So it's like he definitely heard it. It's just Joss Whedon wants us to feel pain. Um, <laughs> but like he definitely heard that 100%. Does not matter how yeah. fast he can run because they're not like the freaking vampires and vampire diaries that can run at lightning <laughs> speed. Like, unfortunately, he can only run at his own speed. Uh, so there, there's no way he didn't hear that. Yeah. But still, it's very sad. I mean, yeah, we want him to be able to hear it. But it's also sad that Buffy doesn't think that he hears that because yeah. that might have been something that would have helped her crumble a little bit earlier on. You know what I mean? Right. Or not crumble, but just like soften a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so this song that's playing is beautiful. It's called It Doesn't Matter by Alison Krauss and Union Station. And it's just gorgeous. I really love this song. Okay. So then we see Buffy in the car with her mom and she just, Buffy is just not Yikes. herself. Yeah. And everybody around her is just, they can tell. Yeah. Um, I love this scene in the car. It's obviously like Buffy's not herself and it sucks, but this scene in the car honestly shows so much growth on Joyce's mm-hmm. part just That's to be true. like, mm-hmm. oh, like, are you going to tell me what you're going through? And instead of being like, what are you going through, Buffy? Are you going to burn down the, like, the school this time? Like, she's very just like, <laughs> she's just very like, well, you valid will, question. Well, yeah. She's just very like, you will tell me when you tell me. The, the, 
the way she words it is very sweet. She says, is there the slightest chance that if I asked you what was wrong, you'd tell me? So she's like, I'm, I, I could try, but I feel like you won't tell me and that's okay. I'm here for you, you know? And I just feel for Joyce. You see her trying to connect and yeah. I also respect very much that she's giving Buffy the space that she needs and trusting that eventually she'll come to her if she right. needs to, you know? Um, but also probably a little bit of frustration of like, ah, I can't get through to my daughter, you know? That would be hard. Mm-hmm. So there's a little bit of a continuity error here. Buffy is wearing a pink shirt and brownish pants and then we in the car and then we cut to the hallway scene and she's wearing a white tank top with black pants and later on in the episode buffy ends up wearing like the next day the same pink tank top and brown pants and Mm. so it's almost like i think joss had written the car sequence to be later on the episode but ended up moving it up i didn't um, even notice Hmm, or back 10 minutes yeah it's just like a little minor thing, but it's yeah. kind of it's I will say the outfit that she and Willow wear in the hallway when they're talking to Cordelia are so cute. It I is love queen of noticing the fashion the in the show. Yes. Buffy's is absolutely cute. I'm always a fan of Buffy's. If I could take anything from the show, it would be uh, Buffy's outfits. Not the Slayer Strength, dude. Or Angel. You wouldn't take Angel. <laughs> Damn, this is a little yeah. old for me. Um, <laughs> Whoa, if, okay. if Angel was still the age he was in the show, um, spoiler. Sure. So are the clothes, but just saying they're a little old for me. <laughs> yeah, they're probably like really old by now. They're vintage. Okay. <laughs> so Find them at a well, Yeah, I don't want to marry David Boreanaz. Do I want to marry Angel from the show? Yes, there's a difference. Um, Thanks but, for clarifying. Yes. I was a little worried there. Angel in the show doesn't isn't you know, married and has kids. That's a little different. He also <laughs> is a vampire. Yeah. So. And he's also, you know, not twice my age. Um, <laughs> but but we digress. Yes. Moving on. Going back. Specifically, I want to talk about Willow's outfit because it's very girly. It's very cute on her. Her hair is like braided. It looks beautiful. But I think it was to show that Willow's gaining confidence. Mm-hmm. Like, because in the first season, we see her, like, she's always covered up. It's tights. Like, long sleeves, tights. Like, you don't see any inch of her skin. But, like, in this season, it's so cute because she's, like, she's wearing, like, a full dress. And, like, you see her arms. You see her legs. And her hair is braided. Like, it, she just – she's starting to look like a woman. And it's just very mm-hmm. cute and it's very sweet. And I think that they chose to do that to just – show that she's gaining confidence and she's kind of falling into herself. Yeah, I wrote down actually that Buffy's outfit looks a lot like something Cordelia would wear. And I thought Mm -hmm. that was an interesting choice for this episode. It just looked very much like something Cordelia wears. But I love that Cordelia comes up and is basically like, hey guys, so um, did you guys slay any demons? She's so loud in this conversation. I also love the fact that she tries to like insult them but then continues to talk to them. Like, you can kind of tell, like, you get this and she wants to talk to them, but, like, had to insult them first just in case anyone asked and was like, yeah, oh, no, right. I insulted them. I don't want to talk to them. But she also just was like, they're like, oh, the, the three musketeers are actually kind of cool. And she's like, yeah, you're right. Anyway. She's like, I see your point. Yeah. She's like, hmm, that wasn't a very good insult on my part. I will do better. Yeah. But she doesn't go on to, like, insult them. She's just like, okay, noted. Moving on. 
Yeah, and she's like, you know, slay any demons. And Xander's like, we slayed our own personal demons of lust and thrift. (laughs) Willow was like, yes, our own personal demons. We did slay those. (laughs) And she's like, no, what are you talking about? I mean, actual demons. They're like, dude, shut up, Cordelia. (laughs) Okay, so I just wanted to point out. Okay, so do you guys remember Never Kill a Boy on the First Date with all the extras? That one lady with the red bag and like the checkered. Okay, so (laughs) I- She's back. Bring the same outfit. (laughs) Right. But I was watching the background actors in this this episode because the thing is, is it's a low budget. So you're going to oh, yeah. see the same but extras over and over again. But they added two extra places to shoot. So. True. That's true. They are so, moving you know, up in the world. Yeah. But there's this dude that's wearing like a blue button down shirt and you see him walk by a couple times. But there's this one particular moment right like when Xander grabs Cordelia by the elbow and is like leading her away, the dude comes up behind Cordelia and he's like facing somebody else. And he, you know, like they're not supposed to talk. They're pretending like they're all talking. So they're like mouthing the words that they're saying. This guy is like totally overacting and he like walks up and he goes like this, right behind Cordelia and for those of you who can't see he like opens his mouth really wide and it's just like totally fake mouthing hi how are you that is too much the funniest thing I showed Andrew and we were dying so next time you guys watch the episode look for that dude poor dude really funny this probably was his only acting gig and like we're just he, like, like shows all his him. friends. Yeah, he's like all his he, like, like pauses. Dude, I got a Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And all, <laughs> like all of his friends like don't have the heart to be like, mm, you kind of look, you look bad. <laughs> you look stupid. Yeah. They're like, good job, dude. <laughs> maybe you know, maybe you'll get something out of this. But yeah, I had a fun little laugh right there. But Buffy insults everybody by calling them stooges, and Will and Xander look really hurt by this. It's really kind of sad. Like they look at each other and they're like, what is going on? And they both kind of look at each other and then look at her. And you can kind of tell like disbelief, confusion, and a Mm -hmm. little bit of hurt. And it's just kind of hard to watch. And then she, of course, insults Cordelia. I won't tell anyone you're a moron. And Cordelia, Xander, and Willow all are like, okay, something is up. Okay. If I'm being realistic, it's not the the meanest of the things that Buffy But they say. can tell. Right. I, can, I mean, granted, they can tell and all that, but, like, if it was a normal episode and Buffy had said that in, like, her quirky voice, no one would care. They'd be like, oh, yeah, it's funny. That's a good one. You know, haha. But I think, you know, they kind of dramatize it a little bit in this episode where I'm kind of like, mm, that's not that bad of a burn. But Buffy doesn't normally call people moron and then just walk away. It's yeah. just and it's out the of way she says it too. Like mm-hmm. it, she yeah. said it to to like have it sting, you know? Yeah, exactly. So then we go to the infamous scene at the bronze. Stop, Chiwamato. I, I hate this scene. I hate it so much. It's necessary and it's well done, but I hate it. It physically pains me to watch this scene. And you know when like when you watch something in like uh. I don't know, something really sticks out to you in the scene. It's the song for me. Yeah. The song kind of slaps. I'm not going to lie. I will be, yeah, I will be, I should be this song (laughs) in my car because it slaps. But everything else about the scene just like kills me. The fact that she's breaking Willow's heart, the fact that she's breaking Angel's heart, the fact that she's playing with Xander's Xander's feelings. Like everything about the scene just literally kills me. But Willow's face, I'm just like, girl, you are her best friend. You know she's in love with Xander and you're doing this in front of her. Are you kidding me? Yeah, but even it's all intentional. Xander's her friend she knows xander is into her he's a safe bet for this yeah and so she's like playing his emotions and as much as i love to pick on xander like this episode he really did have a rough go of it like Mm -hmm. she really did kind of put him through the ringer 
And I do really feel bad because like he's been very upfront about his feelings and stuff. And so it's like, it really sucks that like she kind of toyed with him a little bit. Mm -hmm. Well, actually a lot, not a little bit. Yeah, a lot. And it it just stinks because we're watching Buffy implode and it's really hard to Mm -hmm. watch. And okay, so I wanted to say real fast, they had a missed opportunity when she's coming down. You have like the slow pan up of her outfit. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. at the beginning of the episode- Which she looks amazing, by the way. She does. It's super cute with her hair and everything. But at the beginning of the episode, you had Hank and Joyce talking about shoes. Oh, she could have been wearing shoes. And she's holding those shoes. I was like, dude, like that was a missed opportunity because it could have been symbolic of mm-hmm. Buffy trying to hide the trauma and what she's mm-hmm. going through. Like, I think it was kind of a missed she opportunity. She could have worn her cute shoes. But Those I things think, are adorable. I think they chose because, I mean, uh, I talk every single episode about how clothes matter, but I think that they chose to dress her in darker clothes. And because, form-fitting. Well, because Buffy's been wearing a lot of pastels, yeah. like colors, like, and when she is wearing like black or dark colors, it's because she's going to go out slaying or doing things mm-hmm. like that. We don't normally see her in dark colors when she's like hanging out with her friends or things like that. It's always when she's going out and fighting or things it like that. It yeah. definitely seemed like cordy colors. It right. was like a maroon. It was, it was not Buffy. Like yeah. when she walks in the yeah. room, and you can even see like Angel sees that, like he can tell, I think, Part of it is she looks hot. But I also think that like a part of him is kind of like, oh, you look different. Yeah. Yeah. So I kind of skipped ahead a little bit. But back when you first go into the bronze, you have Willow trying to get Xander's attention. She puts the ice cream cream. on her nose. Yeah. And then he's kind of like, you got something on your nose. But you could tell he's looking for Buffy. And she's going, something's different. And he's like, no, it's just Buffy. And she's like, no, Buffy's never been mean Mm -hmm. before. Yeah. Well, and it's like one – I love the fact that they had Willow notice because, like, there is yeah. genuinely such a thing as women's intuition. Mm-hmm. And I like that they had Willow notice because, like, I think that Willow would notice something like that because Xander is into her. So he's going to make mm-hmm. excuses for her. But, like, it's also just, like, the fact that when Buffy wasn't there, like, Xander was fully attentive on Willow and that now yeah. that she's back, like, he won't even give her the time of day. I can't even imagine what that would feel like. To have, like, your best yeah. friend's attention not even partially on you anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then we cut over to the graveyard, and the vamps are trying to dig up the master. The holy water's burning them, and the annoying one is Dig. The annoying one? <laughs> oh, God. I mean, that is just what I'm going to call him. And he's all super villain with his black turtleneck and just, like, Dig. I cannot it's take just, him seriously. It's so stupid. I, if I was like a vampire and could suck out people's blood and all this stuff, I'd be like, why am I listening to a child? Like, what? On, I'm just going to leave. I'm just going to walk away. What are you going to do? There is so much happening in this episode with Buffy. She's kind of her own worst enemy in this episode. She is more of a threat to herself than the anointed one is right now. Like, you forget he's here. Yeah, I think that's why they didn't really focus on him this episode is because, like, Buffy is fighting her own demons right now. Like, we don't need to yeah. throw a bunch of crazy things at her because, like, she's yeah. she's her worst enemy. The song that is playing at the beginning of this scene in the bronze is called Spoon by Chibo Mato. And then um, the song when Buffy comes in is called Sugar Water. Just if you guys want to add that to your Spotify playlist. I will, man. So we talked about, you know, Buffy's entrance. I died when Angel's head whipped around so fast when Buffy came in. Did you guys see that? Yes. He His saw her. was just like, wham. He was like, Buffy's here. I, I was think, like, did he smell I her? Think, I, was oh, say, oh, probably. I, was like, I think he smelled oh, for her. Sure. Yeah. Is there something where vampires can kind of sense like slayers? Possibly, but you hmm. know what? 
I think Buffy sensed Angel herself when he was in her room. Like she woke up and could tell he was there and turned around. So I think that we're starting to see that their bond is strengthening and that they're to the point now where they're kind of like – they can tell when the other person's in the room. Like it's showing yeah, how close Which honestly, like, I don't even think that's a supernatural thing. I think it's literally just like when you really care about someone, you can feel their presence. It's like, a chemistry can, thing. Yeah. Like you can genuinely like notice. Like when there was times where I was like dating someone, like I could be in a room with them and like not know they're there. But like the minute they got there, I kind of was like, I feel like they're here. Like you just kind of know. Yeah. Like I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's intuition or like whatever. But like sometimes you can just, you just know. Yeah. yeah. That's true. So then Buffy does the little, like, when he walks up, oh, I didn't see you there, like, with her head. I can't and with her he, this episode. I know. I'm like, she's okay, over the top girl. of everything just, she does. She's so awful, but it's like a part of me is kind of like, she's. You go, girl. Yeah, she's really smart. <laughs> like, she's doing it well. <laughs> she's doing it well. If you're going to be bad, like, do it well. <laughs> it's like, I know you're there, but I'm going to pretend I don't know. <laughs> and Angel is such a sweetheart. I, I feel he's like so I've kind done something to, her. to make you angry. And he's like, and that hurts me more than I care to admit. Ugh. Yeah. But then a she's, man. oh, I, I love her. Buffy's like my favorite character. But sometimes I'm like, oh, I want to strangle you. This is like, hey, oh, hey, my gosh. I thought Snyder was your favorite character. <laughs> okay, Buffy's my second favorite character. <laughs> Snyder's okay, okay. amazing. But what she says to him in this conversation, I'm like, oh, girl. That was yeah. so below the belt. My goodness. Yeah. Well, she says like, yeah. I'm going to go hang out with guys who are living. And it's like, she's like no, yeah, she's I've no, moved on. I moved living. on. But she also yeah. said like, I'm sorry I wasn't gawking over you the whole summer. I moved on. Yeah. Basically like get over yourself. Yeah. Yep. Well, and it's just so evil too because you know Angel was like sitting there being like, when's Buffy going to return? And so it's like <laughs> the fact like she spent all summer. I mean, she obviously she obviously, she obviously thought about him. But the yeah. fact that he's getting this impression that she was spent all summer like not even caring about him and – you know, he obviously cares about her. Like, that's gotta sting. Yeah. And I really love this moment that she's walking to Willow and Xander and she passes Cordelia and Cordelia's sitting there like, hmm. She gives her like this knowing look and you can see the wheels turning in Cordelia's head. Yeah, Cordy's like, oh no, what's gonna happen? And Willow, what's wrong with Angel? And then it pans over to Angel looking really sour. Yep, the poor dude. I will be too, man. So then Buffy looks at Angel and she's like, I don't know. And then she intentionally looks at Xander, gets close to him this, and says, and let's it dance. It kills me too because like she does it right in front of Willow. It just it's one of those things me. you can't like put your eyes away from, like a bad car oh, accident yeah. where it's like you yeah. don't want to be looking at it, but you physically can't turn away. That's how both yeah. Angel and Willow were. They're like, this is my worst nightmare, but I can't look away. That's how we all feel. Yeah. I'm like, this is awful. I don't want to look, but I, I can't look away. No, I can look away. I see. I'm like, mm, don't want to watch it. <laughs> I don't know. So much is happening where I'm like, oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. I forgot about this. This person's hurt. I can't. Yeah. I feel for every person in the scene, but I particularly feel for Xander because he is clearly uncomfortable and he knows that she's yeah. using him in this yeah. moment. And I think that hurts him more than anything yeah. else. And I think, I think the reason he's so uncomfortable is like one, he wants to enjoy it, but I think a part of him is like, this is not her mm-hmm. and this is not right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then Buffy, did I ever thank you for saving my life? And he says, no. And she goes, don't you wish I would as she Oof. walks away? So cold. And this mm-hmm. is hard because this is a character we've come to love yeah. that we've hard seen at her and, lowest. And we've seen her be like moral. That's what's hard about this is like yeah. she's been a moral character. And so to see her making mm-hmm. these choices that 
hurt her friends and hurt the person she loves and all this stuff. You're like, that's not Buffy. That's or she's, not who she's I know. even just like a bright personality. She's someone who is chirpy and makes jokes and is very like preppy. And she's none of those things in this episode. None of them. Yeah. She's missing her spark. Yeah. She intentionally walks past the table where Willow is, which is just more hurtful, and walks outside, and Cordelia follows Buffy out. This Mm -hmm. whole interaction is phenomenal. It's gold. It's gold. You're really campaigning for Bitch of the Year, aren't you? As defending champion, you're nervous. I can hold my own. You know, we've never really been close, which is nice because I don't really like you that much, but you have on occasion saved the world and stuff, so I'm going to do you a favor. And this great favor is? I'm going to give you some advice. Get over it. Excuse me? Whatever's causing the Joan Collins tood, deal with it. Embrace the pain, spank your inner mop it, whatever, but get over it. Because pretty soon you're not going to even have the loser friends you've got now. Well, first off, I want to say I told Leah this. She sounds like she has a cold. Yeah. She sounds like she's, she's a little, a little raspy. raspy. She actually she actually did have a cold. I told yeah. you. <laughs> but yeah. I also just like, I love what she says because she says like, embrace the pain and then get over it. And I just like, yeah. I love that like, they give her such an intelligent line to say to yeah. her. Well, I, I don't know. When Leah brought up, out of mind, out of sight, I thought this particular conversation really was that much more important for their characters because she saw that Buffy, they had that whole interaction where she was like, I feel alone, but for me, I'd rather be surrounded by people that don't like me because I don't want to feel alone. Whereas Buffy's surrounded by people she actually cares about, but she has less friends. Whereas in this episode, she's like, hey, you actually have people you care about. If you keep doing this, you're going to lose them. Yeah. And And I I think it's also a warning of being like, you're going to end up like me. Yep. And I think Mm -hmm. that Cordelia in a way envies Buffy. She's warning her. Yeah. And so she's kind of envying her being like, don't end up like me. And you even see that earlier in this episode. Like Sarah said, like she, she's not as biting as she used to be. She actually talk to them yeah. she could have made an insult and walked away you and see she her like, kind of yeah. like secretly wanting yeah. to like hang out with them yeah mm-hmm. i just like i just oh i love this interaction i love that it's cordelia who's talking sense in her, yeah. into her and like obviously she ends it with like maybe i'll go see if angel wants to dance such a funny but that's thing. a typical Cordy. right but it also shows like she's dimensional like she's still gonna be cordelia she's still gonna be her but like She's showing layers, which is just like not something you would expect from a teenage high school show in the 90s. They didn't give a lot of dynamics to their high school characters, especially the mean girls. Yeah. So then Cordelia gets kidnapped. And I kept thinking, man, if I were Cordelia, I'd be so scared in this moment because I was like, I just insulted the Slayer. And now I'm kidnapped. Well, plus like she's clearly off her game. So like I'd be even more scared because I'm like, crap. Not only did I just like insult her, but also like – She's kind of off of it. Well, not like that, but she didn't see me get taken away. So, like, she has no idea. right? So, Cordelia sees Miss Calendar is there and is unconscious. And Buffy's walking home and sees that the master's grave is dug up and once again has another – what is a nightmare that happens during the day called? Not a daydream, a daymare? (laughs) Daymare. She had a scary dream. Then she was not sleeping. I don't think there's like like a negative word for hallucination. Anyway, creepy, ugly David Boreanaz shows up (laughs) behind her. (laughs) 
Um, and she's imagining the master alive. And at this point, it's pretty clear what it is that she's actually struggling with. They give enough clues in this episode to kind of make you realize, okay, Buffy's, she's afraid. Mm-hmm. And so the next morning at the calf, Willow's trying to explain Buffy's really weird behavior. She's like, she's possessed. Yeah, right. And Xander's like, just maybe she's attracted to me. And everybody kind of like stares at yeah. him. He's like, she's possessed. Yeah. <laughs> she's like, she's acting kind of like a B-I-T-C-H. And then yeah, Giles is like, um, we're all older. Why yeah. can't we just say it out yeah. loud? Xander goes, a bitka? Kelsey, <laughs> <laughs> it's a me. Giles gives them a look like, well, maybe some of us yeah. are not have things spelled out for us. And I really love that Giles says – Maybe it's none of those things. Maybe it's what you Americans refer to as issues, is what yeah. he says. <laughs> well, my favorite line was when they all left and then Snyder came and he was like, I feel like I have a, a sixth sense, you know, just to like smell these things. And then uh, Giles just goes, well, actually, that'd be one of the five. <laughs> right, right. <Send> me. <laughs> but Buffy comes in right before that and is just like really snarky and it is like the master's grave is dug up. You should have told me and kind of snaps at Giles a little bit. And he's like, okay, something's up. They all leave. And then Snyder comes in, the sixth sense thing. And I love how Snyder's all like, I smell trouble with that one. The faintest aroma of jail. Yeah. So specific. Giles is like, have some faith in her, you know? Give her the benefit of the doubt. We miss a little uh, lovely phrase that uh, Buffy says. She says, can we have a little less from the civilians, please? I'm like, oh. Yeah. My goodness. Yeah. They, like, the snarkiness just gets worse and worse out this episode. It's, it's just really hard to watch. You see it upping as her fear is mm-hmm. compounding. Mm-hmm. Like, the more scared she is, the more she's lashing out at everybody else around yep. her, seeking something to control. Yep. So then in the library, they're looking up, why do they want the master's bones? And Buffy's just like, they're going to raise him. That's what they're going to do. I just know. And then a rock comes through the window. It's got Cordelia's bracelet on it with a note. Which, how did Buffy even know that was Cordelia's bracelet? Like That is very, I'm, I'm pretty, yeah. like I'm pretty observant of clothes and like stuff like that. And I notice when my friends are wearing different jewelry and all that. But knowing Cordelia, she probably has like a huge rotation of like, bracelets and jewelry and all this stuff like the fact that Buffy's like that's Cordelia's like she was really confident on her answer right they didn't even know Cordelia was missing at this point too like it was a really really good guess Mm -hmm. I love the line come to the bronze or we make her a meal and Xander's like they're going to cook her dinner he's like pretend I I didn't say that Xander has some really good lines in this, like both funny and serious, but he just like, he really does well in this episode. Yeah. So they're like, this is clearly a trap. You shouldn't go. Buffy's like, nope, this is my fight. I need to do it. I need to go. And Willow's like, what is wrong with you? Like, why are you intentionally seeking out something that is probably going to kill you? Or not allowing us to help you. She was like, no, I'm going alone. Right. And Xander is like, getting more and more pissed off as the episode's going on. He's just, he's had enough. So then the alley, we kind of a flashback to the first season when Mm -hmm. Angel's following Buffy and she says, being stalked isn't a big turn on. Tell that to Edward Cullen. Um, Also, I just, I wrote down in my notes, I know this is a tangent, but there is a YouTube video called Buffy versus Edward. (laughs) And I just need to tell you all to check it out because- it is exactly what you think it is, and it's so therapeutic to watch. <laughs> she literally kicks his butt. Oh, I it's can't. so funny, you it's guys. Funny. I don't it's want really any Twilight slander, though, because I love those movies. Oh, so. my goodness, I can't. They're iconic. 
They're not good at all. <laughs> they're amazing. I love them together. I love them together. They're so good. It's amazing. They're so bad. They're so good. They but are. Seriously. They're like, they're just, they're amazing. I just can't, like, they're made like, they're just like, they're so bad. They're good. It's just, <laughs> it's, they're amazing. I love them. <laughs> Javi's over there like, what is happening? <laughs> no, I will not but stand for any slander. Anyway. Cinematic you guys should definitely check it out and please tell me what you think of it because I watched that more times than I am willing to admit, <laughs> and it's just really funny. Almost as much as she's watched the whole show. No. I mean, that's not hard to do because it's a pretty short video, but yeah, it's pretty funny. You should watch it. So, okay, I crack up during this scene because Buffy's like, you know, being stalked isn't a big turn on, and Angel's standing over there with his hands on his hips, his fingers like kind of through his like belt, and he's like standing kind of like a cowboy, and then he goes, why are you riding me? <laughs> and then as he like saunters over. He says, you're not as strong as you think, which I'm yeah. sure for her, she's like, guess I am. What are well, you talking but about? I, I also think it's like kind of a slap in the face right now because she's so fearful and she wants to feel strong yeah, that's a and good powerful. Point, and so the fact that he's being like, you're not strong, mm-hmm. like, and that's okay, but like, stop building yourself up to think you're stronger than you are. Yep. Then Buffy's like, well, I'm sure you've always wanted to know what would happen if you and I fought. Come on, do you think you can take me? And I think this is her, again, being kind of mm-hmm. afraid. And so she's like, I'm afraid, so I'm just going to challenge Angel to a fight. Yeah. Because one, she's lashing out, but she's also like, I can take him. Well, she's like, I can show you how strong I am. But he's not talking about her physical strength. He's talking about her emotional and mental strength. Yeah. It feels like she's deflecting. She is. She's like, I'll show you how strong I am. I I can kick you. You know, I can can beat you. Um, But he's like, that's not what I'm talking about. I think she knows that. And I love how he says, I'm not going to fight you. Mm -hmm. Um, She's totally antagonizing him. And he's just like, don't you have somewhere you need to be? Kind of like gently reminding her, you have a mission. You have someone to save. Yeah. And she seems a little chastised in the moment. Kind of like, yeah, I do. You're right. Like she, her conscience seems to bother her in that moment. Mm -hmm. So then she sees this crying vamp on the floor, immediately knows it's a trap. And Angel's like, okay, that's the bait. Where's the hook? Yeah. And I think this episode is really clever and that you totally believe that Buffy is going into a trap. And then yeah. as soon as Angel says that, it flashes back to the library. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've Yeah. I've seen this episode a lot. And every single time I forget about that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because it's, I, it's just Same like, here. it's how normally things set up. Of course, they'd want the Slayer. That just logically makes sense. The fact that it was a trap for her friends is something that I was just like, I never see it coming. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Giles figures out, oh, closest means nearest physically. And then he goes, it is a trap and looks up and there's vampires behind Willow and Xander, which serious kudos to Joss for writing it. Because like you said, I've seen this before and it just gets me every time. Yep. So this scene is really, really good. Like I will be the first to be like, oh, Xander annoys me, blah, blah, blah. Right. But I think that when Xander hits, he hits hard. And mm-hmm. I think that when he's on, he's on. And this is like one of those scenes where he is crucial and he's important. And like, I think this whole episode is good for Xander's character, but specifically this scene because like, this is the first time he chooses Willow over Buffy. Yes. Yep. And I think yes. that's yes. important because yep. Willow is his best friend first and foremost. And like, yes, he may have a crush on Buffy and, all, you know, she's beautiful and all this stuff, but it's like, Willow's your best friend and you be there for your best friend. Mm-hmm. And so like, and the fact that it like, he does not stutter in his voice and just being like, if Willow gets hurt, I will kill you. 
And, you know, you're kind of like, okay, Xander, that's really cool. Like, you know, you're not going to kill Buffy. She'd kill you in a heartbeat. But <laughs> the fact that he knows her strength and is able to make a threat like that, yeah. knowing he'd risk his life, is something to yeah. be said about. Like, because he's just so, like... This is because of you. Yeah. Well, he even says, like, I don't know what you're going through, but at this point, I officially don't care. And it's like, once you, like, we all have gone through things and everyone's allowed to feel emotion and go through things. But as soon as you start hurting other people and things start happening, it's like, okay, when you're being malicious, it doesn't matter what you're going through. You can't hurt other people. Yeah. 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 It's really cool to see the main character being challenged by other characters, yeah. specifically by other characters that are very flawed. Mm-hmm. It's just yeah. interesting the quote to unquote, watch the these- civilians. Yeah. No, yeah. but that's a good point because the yeah. two people who call her out in this episode are Cordelia and Xander, which are arguably, arguably the most selfish people. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And so it's mm-hmm. like Joss is a brilliant man and I – promise you he did that on purpose that like he wanted to show that like every single character was flawed but like even the characters that are the most human and the most flawed are calling out the most supernatural character Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah and it's it's interesting to watch that it shows for a good show (laughs) it's good storytelling they're challenging their character yeah it makes you excited to say hey what's going to happen in the rest of the season right yeah so back in the bronze there's is just a lot of red light all on Buffy and she's torturing this vampire. And this this scene is really hard for me to watch. Yeah. Because you watch Xander and Angel in the back and they're both clearly very uncomfortable with the situation. And they both have kind of like a golden light on them. Mm-hmm. And there's a really harsh red light on Buffy as she's leaning over the red pool table, shoving her cross inside of this vampire's mouth. Which is different like, than the usual colors. Usually it's golden and like dark blue. But mm-hmm. this is the first time we've seen like bright red, which is like uncomfortable to look at as a color. It's I think. harsh. Yeah, it's very harsh. Yeah. And I think it's it's showing us the inner turmoil and the anger and the angst yeah. and everything that's going on inside of Buffy. So then we see the factory. And to contrast that red light, we have kind of like a a very white light on the anointed one as he's walking into the priest. Mm. Um, it's almost a blue, but it's a very white light. Then you see that they have the four hanging over the master and they say their blood will resurrect him. Their blood must spill. So Buffy and Angel and Xander show up at the warehouse and you see Buffy glance at the bones and you can tell she's terrified. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which like, this is one of those moments where, like, Sarah Michelle are just – you can see the fact that she's, like, physically, like, uncomfortable without yeah. saying a word. Like, and you just feel what she is feeling. Yeah. The scene was really interesting to me because a lot of times in fight sequences, you have the bad guys attacking the good guy one at a time. But in this one, mm. they all converge on Buffy at the same time. And she just – Which is smart. Like, that's what you should right. do all the time. And yet she's wailing on them. She is. She's taking them, them all. all out. Which kind of leads me to believe that Buffy's always holding back a little bit. Mm. Because I think that Buffy's so irrational right now that she's like, I want to hit something. I want to work it out. Yeah. I wanna... And so she's not holding back. But I feel like a part of her kind of holds back a little bit. I think that she just kind of wants to get the job done. Doesn't want to be fancy about it. Whereas in this one, she's like, I don't care what's going on. I just want to fight. Yeah, quite possibly. Um, There's also some really cool moments and choreography in this fight scene. You have the really cool moment where Buffy vaults over a dumpster, grabs a crate 
out of the dumpster and smashes it over the head of the vampire. Like, it's really cool and clever. Mm -hmm. And then we have uh, Giles unconscious again. Just, you know, (laughs) pointing that out. Putting that out there. I know we keep saying that we need to like Every keep track, but I've, I've already point, lost. Like, I give up. I'm yeah. sure it's out there somewhere. I think it's got to be at <laughs> yep. least like seven at this point. It's been a lot. Oh, at least. Yeah. We're only in the second Even season. the first season alone. There have only been 12 yeah, that's episodes. true. Yeah. The first season. <laughs> and it was like almost every single episode. <laughs> yeah. That is true. Um. So then Angel and Xander are getting Giles, Jenny, Willow, and Cordelia down and it's really sweet how Xander is holding Willow. Like, she's the most precious thing to him. Yeah, like, it's, it's very so endearing. sweet. Mm-hmm. I think it's Angel that's like, where's Buffy or something? And Xander says mm-hmm. she's working out her issues, which I thought was yeah. very astute of Xander to realize that Buffy mm-hmm. needed to hit something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which is pretty obvious. She's literally working out her issues. Yeah. yeah she's literally working, working through her demons. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. Working through them. Just staking them one yeah. at a time. The scene, because like after she beats up everyone, and then mm-hmm. I love the scene where Willow's like, oh, it's done. And then Xander's like, no, it's not. Yeah. Like Xander recognizes. He he's like, there's something she mm-hmm. needs to do. I just love Sarah Michelle Geller's performance right here because she just does such a good job of like – being emotional and raw and real and it's like just so well done like she's just breaking these bones and you can just tell it physically is like hard for her well i i feel like the silence before she actually starts breaking it hits harder for me where she's just staring at it and she's just like she has to muster up courage to grab the hammer and like take the first swing the first swing is has like the most emotion in it she's like goes for the head you know and I just, like, I love the fact that, like, while she's, you know, having her emotional outburst, like, Angel just kind of, like, comes up beside her and is just, like, just kind of, like, sit, like sitting there waiting for her to be done and just mm-hmm. kind of, like, holds her. Because he just knows. Like, he just knows mm-hmm. she needed this and, like, she needed to work through it. Yeah. It's, yep. it's a beautiful moment because there's such a feeling of sadness and relief and also of we can move forward from here, I think. Yeah. Um, up until this, it's been really hard to watch. And then once it happens, you just – you kind of feel guilty for judging her and you realize, oh, this is what she was going through. And – um. It's just a beautiful moment. I wanted to point out two things. This is also the first scene that we see Angel in vamp face because of fighting. Before this, he mm-hmm. the only oh, time yeah. we saw him in vamp face was when he had kissed Buffy. Yeah. I think it's I think it's brought what about out by Angel though. He had yeah, vamp face. when he kissed Buffy and Angel. Yeah, when he kissed Buffy. No, like when they're fighting at the end. Mm-mm. At the end of Angel like um in the in the bronze, he had With his Darla? he I'm pretty sure he had his regular face on in that one i could be wrong i'm pretty sure he came out with his vamp face because he wanted to scare buffy but we didn't see him transform into his vamp face yeah and because of fighting i think it's brought out by extreme emotion yeah Mm -hmm. it could be it's just interesting to me they made a very conscious choice of showing him turn around and there was his vamp face based upon someone hitting him right the second thing that i want to acknowledge is guys the music is so good. It is un- yeah. mm-hmm. like 15 yep. they times really, better. Like, yeah, they really step it up in the second season. But e- like even the first episode, we see that. Well, this is also um, – they changed out the music director. It was Walter Murphy in the first season. This season, it is Christoph Beck. And Christoph Beck, huh, phenomenal guy. He has written scores for Frozen 2, for mm. Ant-Man – 
Edge of Tomorrow and several other really famous movies. And he is responsible for, you'll feel notice, there's a very, well, for those of us who've seen Buffy before, there's a very familiar song that comes on when Angel goes up to hug Buffy. And it's yep. the first time mm-hmm. yep. we hear Buffy and Angel's theme song. So guys, keep an Woo-hoo! ear out for that. The first one. It is yep. gorgeous. Tabby even said that she was like, this sounds like they're, because it, it's the beginning of the notes that like, mm-hmm. da, na, na. it's like, mm-hmm. that's their theme song. But yeah. then it and transfers then it, into yeah, a different song. Yeah, it goes song. into something else. Because when I, I tried Shazamming it, but then it, it had moved on to the other song. So it showed up and I was like, that ain't their yeah, theme song. Yeah, it's hints of their song mixed in there. Yeah. But Christoph Beck mm-hmm. wrote that and he is the um, music director for seasons two, three, four, and I think think five i think he might have left in four but he just does a phenomenal job and i just want to give mm-hmm. a shout out to him because seriously no seriously his music yeah. is just is beautiful yep so keep an ear out for those those themes so i also wanted to say when buffy is using that torch to light the one vamp on fire and stake the other one again a really cool stunt she turns and you can see tear streaks on her cheek. Oh, I didn't see that. Uh-huh. And you can just tell that like she is working through a lot of emotions right now. And it just mm. it's so mm. moving watching those little details as you go through yeah. the episode. So back at the school, Cordelia is talking about her the stains that she can't get out of her clothes <laughs> and you think she's talking about something traumatic. Yeah. She's like, you can dry clean to the judgment day, but those stains aren't coming out. And Miss Calendar's like, yeah, you know, you know, Grass stains in, or blood stains in my clothing is definitely the worst part of being hung upside down by, you know, bloodthirsty vampires. And Cordelia's yep. like, I hear you. I can't. All that character building for Cordelia. Yep. But she's still Cordelia at the end of the day. Yeah, we love her. Um, and then this scene between Buffy and Giles is just precious. I, but I really, okay, the important question is I need to know what is holding Buffy's green cardigan together around her neck. Is it a safety uh, pin? Like I I noted that she's in pastels again. She's not in dark colors, oh, so she feels like herself again. Call. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like a minty green, and she's wearing a white shirt. Yeah, good call. So Buffy and Giles. I mean, Giles is just being very kind and so much grace. He's giving Buffy a lot of room to fail again, and he's also telling her, like, I expect you to fail. Not because, you know, I'm like, oh, you're horrible, but because, you know, you're a teenager. You're going to make mistakes, and there's grace in that. And I think that's He's being really, so much more really kind sweet. than she deserves. Yeah. Like, he's just kind of like, you mm-hmm. had a bad day. Let's move on, you know? Mm-hmm. And this scene is so precious. Willow's like, we saved you a seat. And Buffy, Well, she walks in, and I she's know. like, she doesn't know where to sit. She's like scared they won't talk to her. Yeah. I mean, can and you so blame her? So she kind of slowly yeah. walks over. I just like, I like the fact that they don't even really acknowledge it. Like, I like the they fact that they're on. just kind of like, it's in the past. Like, we mm-hmm. move on. And they're just very like, we're going to go to the bronze tonight. And it's very sweet. And it's very like welcoming. Yeah. They're also like, oh, you want to go to the bronze tonight? Acting as if like nothing had ever happened before. Not that they haven't forgotten it. It's just that they know that this is what Buffy needs. This is what their friendship needs. It's just to move past it. Yeah, and by Xander saying, well, we could grind our enemies into dust with a sledgehammer, but gosh, we did that last night. That was them kind of recognizing, we understand it was hard. We forgive Mm -hmm. you, Buffy. It's just, it's so sweet. sweet. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, of course, the most annoying one back at the warehouse. (laughs) I I hate that girl. And we're all like, I hate you. Get off our screen. We're like, get off. The feeling's mutual. (laughs) Exactly. but yeah, just an all-around really stellar episode. I seriously enjoyed watching that so much. 
What a way to yeah. start off the second season. Just, it's just with a bang. Yeah. It starts off so well. And it's just like the second season is probably either my favorite season or one of my favorite seasons. It's so good. It's so well done from everything to the music, the lighting, the character development, acting, whatever it is. Yeah. yeah. We're really going somewhere now. Ugh. I'm just so excited. I know. Yeah, the character development. I, if I had never seen the show before and I saw this episode, I'd be really interested to see where they're going to go with yeah. the characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We hope you guys enjoyed this. And if you want to email us or find us on Instagram, our Insta is Becoming Buffy Podcast. And our email is Becoming Buffy Podcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you guys. Talk about Buffy. And if there's anything that you guys loved about this episode, let us know. Tell us what your thoughts are for the coming season and something you didn't like about this episode. <laughs> so we just want to thank you guys for listening in. And if you're sticking around for Scooby Secrets, so we'll see you then. If not, see you guys next time. And welcome to our Scooby Secret section. For those of you guys who have not been here before or have just forgotten, this is our completely spoiler section. So we are giving you a spoiler warning for not only the entire show of Buffy, but also for um, the show Angel as well. So if you have not seen those or if you care about spoilers, then just know you've been warned. So we had talked about this in season one where we had introduced our What Would Dawn Do segment. And we were sitting down, we were talking about it because we kind of like banter back and forth what would Dawn would be doing from seasons one to four when she's not here. We really wanted to hear what you guys would think. There's a lot of creativity with it. And Leah had mentioned earlier, when Dawn's in the room, you can't really dismiss her presence. (laughs) Um, So there's like so much that we think that Dawn would be doing in each episode. So since it's a spoiler, you can DM us, you can email us at becomingbuffypodcast at gmail.com. And then we'll pick one that we think is particularly hilarious. And then we'll talk about it in our Scooby Secret section. Um, Yeah. It'll just be a really fun way for us all to kind of have a little inside joke about mm-hmm. Dawn being here. It'll be just really fun. Yeah. What What would you guys think that she'd be doing in this episode? I think that she would have snuck to the bronze and be judging Buffy for dancing. She would rat like her a skank. out. <laughs> yeah. I also think she'd be rifling through, um, rifling through Buffy's clothes while Hank and Joyce were unpacking. True. She'd be like, "I want these shoes." Yeah. She'd be stealing stuff. I think that she'd probably be in the scene in the car where like Buffy's all saying and like I I feel like it would make it would make it more like she's in the back and be like Buffy's always moping why are you always so sad <laughs> like just kind of be making fun of her or she'd be so jealous of like her like dancing with Xander that she'd probably give her the silent treatment. Well, I don't think she would episode. know about that though because they dance in an like 18 and plus type environment. Yeah, but Sarah said if she snuck into the bronze. I'm just saying if that had happened. With that, um, let's talk spoilers, you guys. And I'm really excited. This is a really deep episode and it has a lot of ramifications for the rest of season two. We talked about, um, I think briefly, just the three of us, we talked about how much Buffy reminds us of Faith in this episode. Um, for me, what when it really kind of like hit me was in the alley when Buffy's talking to Angel and she's challenging him. Her whole mannerism just screams defensive. Yeah. And it screams someone who's hurting but is trying to appear. Well, she has to start her power and her strength in order to disguise her emotional trauma. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, we haven't really talked about Faith much on the podcast yet because 
I mean, obviously, Faith comes in season three, but Faith is meant to be kind of the anti-Buffy. She's supposed to represent what Buffy would be like if Buffy was without her friends and if uh, she had a watcher who wasn't Giles. And you kind of see that in this episode. Like, she's very cold. She's very hardened. She just is very disconnected from the world. And because of that, you see her put herself and other people in danger. And so it's like an actual hindrance to her being the Slayer. Yeah. Even like the first episode, Faith comes in. She's like wailing on that one of the vampires. And Buffy's like, hey, dude, you need to calm down. Whereas in this episode, you see that Buffy does the same thing when she's like training with Giles. And she's like completely beating up whatever. Yeah. I don't remember what she's beating up. but The dummy. Or, yeah, yeah. 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 You can tell there's a lot of hurt going on and it's just interesting um to see the tough guy act that buffy mm -hmm. is putting on where she's intentionally hurting the people around her because she herself is hurting and it reminds me a lot of faith and yeah and i mean we'll talk more about faith once she pops into the show but it's just an interesting correlation because like leah said faith was made to be like a foil to buffy um kind of if you put up a mirror and said okay what would buffy look like if she didn't have friends around her I just thought about this earlier today, but there's the correlation between what Buffy would look like as a slayer, so Faith, without her friends and without her core group. But then there's also a correlation between what Buffy would be like if she wasn't the slayer, which was Cordelia, which is really interesting. Mm -hmm. So you have yeah. both those girls. Yeah. It's really cool to kind of see them go, okay, what would the character look like in different scenarios and yeah. kind of challenge their character? It makes for an interesting show. Um, I wanted to talk about the fact that the episode begins with them being in a graveyard with Xander and Willow. And this starts a tradition for the rest of the show's um, or the season's premieres. Mm -hmm. uh, every season premiere starts with someone in a graveyard or right next to a graveyard. Yeah, I believe it. And it starts with it's this It's pretty one. much consistent after this. It's like it always opens in the graveyard. The beginning of the episode is pretty interesting because – you see the dynamic between like Willow and Xander. And I mentioned in the non-spoiler section that it's really nice to see them like actually interacting as friends because we always hear about their friendship. They always talk about it, but like it's one of those things where it's like it's not really seen a ton. Like the most that you see of their friendship of just them two in the first season is just Xander hurting Willow. But like this scene is like it warms my heart, but also like breaks my heart because like yeah. you're like, oh, it's really nice to see them interacting as friends and like seeing their relationship. But it's also like so sad because yeah, like is. Willow is pining after him so desperately while he's very clearly still hung up on Buffy. But like there's so much foreshadowing here. We have that weird situation in season three. Um, and I like that they – they hinted at it for a while. It was something that they actually, like, as much as I hate that storyline, it's something they actually needed to explore. Yep. That way there was yep. never any question in our minds of being like, yeah. they should be together. After that, there was, like, absolutely nothing. Like, no one was like, okay, we're, yeah. for lack of a better word, we're standing yeah. Xander and yeah. Willow. I think the thing is, too, is Willow kind of always held Xander on this pedestal of being like, yeah. he's the first guy I've ever loved, whether romantically or non-romantically. That's And arguable. he's my best. <laughs> Best friend, yeah. He's my best friend. Like when I think of love, he is what I think of. And so I think that for her, she needed to like have at least have tried to date him. Otherwise, she would have spent her entire life wondering what a relationship with him would have been like. Yeah. I just <sighs> we've talked about 
how much we dislike Xander the first couple seasons, but yeah. one of the main reasons is just that he likes the shiny new toy. He's never content with what he yeah. has. And so now that Buffy's gone, he's like, oh, Willow, maybe I'll kiss her. Oh, maybe I won't. And then as soon as Buffy pops up, he completely forgets. Honestly, and then when Willow's happily dating somebody, yeah. then he has to go in and barge things. Yeah. Yes, yes, it's Willow's fault as well, but it's also like, come on, Xander. Like, yeah. are you kidding me? I think it's also one of those things, too, where it's like they got so used to having three people that when – and many people are going to argue with me about this, but, like, when you're spending so much one-on-one time with someone and you guys both haven't established, like, we're not into each other, there can be these blurry lines of, like, mm-hmm. oh, maybe we are into each other because we yeah. never established if we aren't or not. And so it's, like, it can become very hazy. And I think that's why a lot of guy-girl friendships don't last. Not that they can't. There are plenty of very healthy guy-girl friendships. But I think that when rules aren't established, when feelings aren't communicated, like, hey, we both don't feel that way about each other, okay, cool. Like, it can become confusing because, like, Obviously, Willow never communicated like, oh, I don't want to date you. And so I think for Xander, it was kind of like, hmm, we're spending a lot of one-on-one time together. Buffy's not around anymore. Maybe there is something here. But I think most of it was just like loneliness. Buffy wasn't there. So it was kind of like, yeah, might as well try it out. There was like a nice moment, you know. I'd actually disagree a little bit with you, Leah, about the fact that you don't see a lot of Willow and Xander's relationship. There are a ton of moments throughout the first season and even in this episode that show how close Willow and Xander are. They're just not big moments. They're little moments like them opening their snacks, noticing right away that they don't like it the other person would, and non-verbally communicating that to each other and handing it off. He even picks Willow over Buffy in this episode. Well, no, I know. And I, I, I totally agree. This episode's huge for their friendship. But I just meant like, obviously, it's established in the first season, but I would say like, you don't get to see them like, hanging out one-on-one and hear their conversation and see them interact for long periods of time because usually it's on the sidelines because yeah, there's that's so much. Fair. So like this was like the first scene where you're kind of like, oh, yes, this is yeah. what friends do. They yeah, hang that's out. That's a good point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, and we'll talk about more about the romance between Willow and Xander when it comes up because I have a lot of thoughts to say on that. And I'm sure you guys do too. Yeah, I have too many. Yeah. But I think just to say, I believe that Xander, it's not just the shiny new toy thing, although I think that is a factor of it. I think Xander really does love and care for Willow. But I think that he, at that point, doesn't understand that it's not a romantic love. You know what I mean? I think he has to figure out for himself that he loves her as a friend, but when you're young and it's like, they're a female, I'm a male, I'm, you know, vice versa. Like it tends to be like, oh, hey, like we're two people. And they, he tends to like confuse closeness, their close friendship for um, romance. Not to mention, I think that it does take a certain amount of emotional intelligence to kind of be able to differentiate what romantic love feels like and what friendship love feels like. If you haven't been in love at that point yet, you can't tell the exactly in love. Exactly, like Xander isn't a cool and intelligent character, but he's definitely not emotionally intelligent. No, at least not right now. And so I not about himself. I think he is about certain other people. But yeah, it's a lot easier to be more aware of other people. Mm -hmm. But I think that as far as his own emotions, a lot of the times he does not know what's going on. And I think Mm -hmm. that that kind of comes to play a little bit with Willow is that like he never really liked her. He never really was into her. I think it was just like 
we've known each other for so long. I feel so deeply for her. Yeah. It must be romantic. And I think like exactly. Anya was such a good turning point for his character because he was yeah. forced to deal with his emotions because she didn't have any filter. Yeah. And she was his first mm-hmm. like arguably real true love. Because like I go back and yeah. forth on whether or not he really loved Buffy because I think it was very selfish. And mm-hmm. I don't think you can truly love somebody if it's purely selfish because he just wanted affirmation out of her. He wanted her to like him. It was just, mm-hmm. I don't know. I go back and forth with that. But his first true love is very obviously Anya. I don't know. She forced him to face a lot of things about himself. Yeah. It's just weird to me that um, Nicholas Brendan and Sarah Michelle Geller, the actress who played Buffy and Xander, both thought that Buffy and Xander were going to end I up know. together. Ew, and that they no. were the ones that went in front of Joss and were like, I think yeah. it was like in season seven or so, were like, hey, are we? Get, let's make them a thing. And Joss was like, no. It's because Buffy did not want her to be with Spike. Yep. Which I understand because yeah, she was that, like that, that might have been she case. was well because Sarah Michelle Gellar was like this isn't Buffy like yeah. Buffy yeah. wouldn't do this but I also feel like Buffy would never date Xander like I she feel like never, it's way never. more that in character true. I that feel like it's true. way more in character to date like a vampire the hot attractive <laughs> sexy vampire guy that is you know has a darkness inside that is kind of like common to you versus the weirdo guy you've been turning the down fans for years would absolutely hate it. I would hate it. I think that it was really wise of Joss not to do that simply because he stated many times that Xander is basically, I forget the term for it, but Xander is um, Joss himself in writing. Joss wrote Xander to kind of be himself when he was that age and to kind of represent the teenage boy population. And if he had written Xander getting together with Buffy, that would have looked really weird. You know what I mean? Because he is writing Xander is himself, you know? So anyway, I wanted to talk about the contrast between this premiere and season three premiere because you have um, the season three premiere is Anne. So you have Buffy completely isolated from her friends and completely depressed and alone. And in this one- A lot of seasons start out that way. Yeah, yeah. It's just really interesting. And it also too is really hard because obviously Buffy's dealing with trauma in this episode. But it's nothing compared to what's coming. And I think this season is when yeah. stuff starts getting really real for the yeah. Scooby gang. We were we were even talking about how the ending of this episode is very like sweet and happy. Like there's a montage and there's a song and like the gang's all in class together and talking. And like Tommy and I were just like, dang, this does not happen often. Like where you they're This all is the like, only time. Yeah. We're we're it's yeah. just like happy vibes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, it literally is. It's the only episode that ends this way. Even the opening episode of season four, the first one, there's a different type of separation. It's like, oh, like you see Buffy kind of sad that like, oh, Oz and Willow are thriving on campus. Xander and Anya are doing well. He has a job. He's like, I mean, yeah, he's in his parents' basement, but like he's separated from everyone. And she doesn't have a boyfriend. She's like walking around like sad. It's just a different type of like disconnect with her friends as well. Yeah. I wanted to mention that we see Hank for the second time in this episode, or sorry, the second time in the show. And this is the last time you see Hank, except for flashbacks. I always forget he's in here. Yeah. So Hank shows up for the last time in real time in this episode. And then we hear Hank at the end of the season in Becoming Part 1 or Part 2. I think it's Becoming Part 1, where you hear um, 
the voiceover from Whistler talking to Angel and you see Buffy in her room and hear her parents arguing mm-hmm. outside of it. And then yeah. um, he's supposed to come take her to the Ice Capades in season three, Helpless. And that's when the whole episode with oh, Giles. She's trying to invite him. To yeah, go. exactly. He's not listening. Oh, And that's the first time we get that sense that Hank is not the greatest dad. And yeah. then um, – yeah, and then the most notably is in season six when mm-hmm. – or sorry, season five when Buffy goes comatose and yeah. you have the whole thing with Hank and you see little Dawn. And then in season six in the hospital in the episode normal again, you see Hank again. But those are all flashbacks. Other than that, the only references they make is dad's in Europe with his secretary and stuff and he's not answering his calls. So yeah. it's kind of weird to see him in real time and be like, oh, yeah – Buffy's dad exists. Yeah. <laughs> it would be really um, not as interesting if both Buffy's dad and Giles were in the picture. But the fact that Buffy's yeah. dad is gone, it makes Giles's character so much more important to the Buffy character. Yeah. I'm just glad there wasn't any competing role or replacement for yeah. Giles's spot. Like they tried to do <laughs> with um, Professor Walsh. But then oh, she yeah. left. And I was like, thank goodness this never happened. I feel like I'd be so frustrated as a viewer. I, I think that would have actually been a really interesting storyline. I'm curious to know what they would have done with that. But anyway. So then the other thing that I had was the whole interaction between Angel and Buffy and in Buffy's room when she's sleeping or when she was she was sleeping and she has that nightmare. Because when he's talking about, you know, don't underestimate the anointed one. He has power over the rest of them. Um, they'll do anything for him. It's just very foreshadowing of the rest of the series, essentially. Basically, like Buffy has a lot of power and what she says goes and she needs to use that power yeah. wisely because her friends all listen to her, you know? Mm-hmm. I think one of one of my favorite things from this episode is Cordelia. And I think that specifically, like, this is the start of her character development, or at least it's the launching off point. I guess the start was really in Out of Mind, Out of Sight. Out of Mind, Out of Sight. Yes, thank you. I always forget the title. My mind, like my dyslexia comes (laughs) back and it switches it. It's okay. Um, I mess up with it too. Yeah. But she's just like the voice of reason. And I just love that. Yeah. I really, really appreciate Cordelia's speech. I mean, we mentioned it in the non-spoiler section, but I love how there is a lot of correlation between Cordelia in this scene and Cordelia and Angel. Yes. Um, specifically the moment where she's talking to Buffy and is telling her that she's being a witch with a bee. And Buffy uh, is all like, well, so are you. And it reminds me of do you remember that episode with the ghost mm-hmm. and Cordelia, like the the ghost calls her a bitch uh-huh. and Cordelia is all like, yeah, I am. And that's what snaps her out of it. And you uh-huh. know what she says next to the ghost is I'm not some cry Buffy. Yep. <laughs> and I think it's so funny because Cordelia and Buffy, there is comparison between the two of them, but mm-hmm. Buffy's not a bitch. Cordelia is, you know? And so like that – is something that very much defines Cordelia and she kind of owns that. She owns the fact that she likes what she likes and she's going to go for it, but she's also not cruel. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Yes. She stands up for herself. I think when she calls herself that, she's not necessarily being like, I'm justifying what I do if it's mean. I myself am a strong woman and I know that and I'm going to stand up for myself. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I don't think she's using it negatively right. at all. I think she's yeah. more of just like, I know what I want and yep. I'm going to go for it and I'm mm-hmm. a strong person. Yeah, exactly. She's kind of just taking back that term, you know? Yeah, I love that scene. But, 
The whole episode yes. is just so great. And this moment with with Cordelia is seriously a standout moment mm-hmm. from this season for yeah. sure. I thought it was really interesting when they're all in the cafeteria and Buffy confronts Giles on the resurrection spell for the vampires. He mentions that he's heard of them before, but a vampire has never actually been resurrected. Like it's never actually happened. And then an angel, you have Wolfram and Hart and they resurrect Darla. And so that would be technically the first time a vampire has ever been resurrected. And then when Principal Snyder right after that is talking about how he smells a suspension coming on for Buffy. Oh yeah. He's like maybe even like charges. And you mentioned the episode with Faith and her where Mm -hmm. they're literally in the back of a cop car. Because they were robbing a place. Or even- well, and then cops also came and becoming. Yep, because Kendra was killed there and yeah. they found her in the room and she and they had thought to run it was out. Buffy, mm-hmm. yeah. Yep, all those things actually ended up coming, but it wasn't her fault for either of those things. Yeah. And then the whole conversation between Buffy and Angel in the alleyway where they're talking about like, come on, Angel, fight me. Mm-hmm. And you've always wanted to know what it's like for a slayer and a vampire or for you as a vampire and me as a slayer to fight. And he says, I'm not going to fight you. Mm. And yeah, Faith I vibes. mean, technically he didn't. <laughs> yeah, technically it was not him. And then the whole line where Buffy says, come on, Angel, kick my ass. It yeah. reminds me of season six where Dark Willow tells Buffy, oh, Buffy, you need every square inch of your ass kick. I thought yeah. about that. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. It's just funny, like seeing all these little like Easter eggs that were thrown in, which I I know that Josh – had an idea in his mind of where he was going to go with the characters. But I also very much applaud the fact that he was willing to go back and look for these things Mm -hmm. and add them in later on too. It makes the whole um, universe feel a lot more real too. Yeah. The scene between Buffy and Giles at the very end of the episode, it just reminds me of innocence. I was about to say that. Yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. Well, I, I mean, I don't have much to say, but he basically says the same spiel where he's like, I'm not here to make you feel bad about it. You knew you did wrong. And that's what I love about him. He gives respect for her mm-hmm. as a woman and as someone who goes through hard things. He's like, mm-hmm. I recognize that you understand that this is wrong. I'm not going to make you feel bad about it. But like, let's move on from it. How can we move forward? Yeah. It's funny because like, I feel like Giles gives like the biggest like spoilers because he's just like, oh, this isn't the worst, you know, that you're going to go through. Mm -hmm. And everyone who's like seen season six and like season, like seen like every single season ever is just like, oh, you have barely begun to make stupid (laughs) decisions. Yeah. I just appreciate how Giles just, it isn't, he doesn't make a huge deal out of it. Mm -hmm. He's like, you know, it happened. We're done. We'll move on. And Mm -hmm. he does the same thing in that scene in Innocence when he talks to Buffy. Such a good dad. Um, the last scene or the second to last scene in the school when Buffy comes in, they said, we saved you a seat. It's kind of hard to hear, but when Willow asks, what should we do tonight? And they shoot down the bronze. Xander says, mini golf is always the first thing that comes to mind. And Willow says, we don't have a golf course. There is no golf course. So first thing that's incorrect because a few episodes later you have Ted and they go miniature golfing. That's true. Oh, come on, Joss. She doesn't look back at that. So that's the end of the first episode of season two. Oh, we have so much more to go and so much good stuff to talk about. I can't wait. But until then, thanks so much, you guys, for listening. We hope you enjoyed this and we'll see you guys again next time. 